You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT365, and we are just chucking through. We are chucking through the 80s uh, as far as episode numbers go, and you know, there's been all kinds of things happening around uh, the NFT Web3 arena, and I know for many that are fully immersed in this space, it feels like there's always something changing, always something moving. From the outside, I know there's a lot of people that will look at this space as very chaotic or maybe very still in like that infancy stage. Uh, and then there's a lot of us that are looking at this as like part of the beauty of, uh, you know, it's the beauty and the curse of how do we establish and reimagine a culture in an area and a space that we've really never played in before. And I know that might sound like I'm uh, making this uh, Web3 arena maybe bigger than uh, what it should be, but I, I truly do believe in that. And it's why I wanted to do this episode. And really, for me, this episode isn't about NFTs, because the the premise that I want to set this episode up on is that you know I'm a big believer that not everyone has to go chase the shiny object or be on the bleeding edge of every curve, but... Let me say the caveat to that is, and the caveat is pretty simple. We need to understand why things are working on the bleeding edge. Where, where are we going? And what are the underle- underlying aspects that so much of what this new trend or this new technology might be exposing? And for me, that's the, the biggest lessons that I can give to anyone here. And, and, and if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm never going to buy an NFT, I'm, o- I'm okay with that. I'm not going to force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do. Um, and I think the, the key to this to me is we need to understand why this value currently exists and then how can we take that and implement that into your other you know, aspects of your business, of your life? And I would argue if you listen to this, this episode with an open perspective of what the, the trends are telling us, you will be able to take this back and be a, create a better email newsletter, create a better website, redesign or shift the focus of your upcoming product launch, or maybe your next consulting uh, proposal with your, you know, your next client. That's how confident I am if you take away the NFT. And let's talk about what this is all really kind of setting us up for. And so you know, the premise of where I wanted to start this conversation on is that, you know, the idea of digital assets is nothing new. Digital assets have been around for a, the longest of times. And I know for many that are in the, the gaming space, they've, they've known these in the, you know, uh, you know, being, being there since, you know, early days. But even just the idea, like, I'm going to throw back way back to what I like to say my first entrepreneur job, which was, uh, yeah, burning CDs in my freshman dorm room. Sorry, dad. Um, but yes, I used um, Napster and LimeWire 
to burn music CDs and then sell them to my dorm mates um, and those that were at my school so that I could buy like a, a keg or a pizza for, for the weekend. And the reason I bring it back to that was that, you know, the idea of a digital asset, we would, people would buy a Winamp skin. And if you were a millennial, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You would pay for someone to actually design the, you know, let's say UX design or UI design, either one of them, um, the audio player that you were, you were listening to music on. And even MySpace, you know, for, for what it was worth, you know, we weren't buying digital assets at that point, but there were the element of, you know, you could, you know, use some of your, you know, digital, you know, currency um, and, uh, you know, change change up the, the layout or how we structured things. But the, the, the real shift that we have to recognize right now is that the exchanging of value and the exchanging of value in the sense of what we own amongst each other, peer to peer, people to people, human to human, shout out to my, my good buddy, Brian Kramer, who wrote the book, Human to Human, um, human to human exchange of value and goods has been around since the beginning of time right? But the idea of the exchanging of value without borders, without limitations has not been there for the beginning of time, right? The idea of how do you sell something to someone in the UK uh, if you are here in America, right? Not only do we have to worry about if it's a physical good, the shipping and handling, but now we have to worry about the exchange of currencies and a lot of the things that have gone into, you know, really how we, we, you know, think about that exchange of something we own. And we have things like, you know, I mean, let's face it, eBay and Craigslist and even Amazon for all intents and purposes always comes down to this idea of exchange uh, of value of something that someone owns. And the, the interesting shift that we're seeing right now in Web3 is it comes down to digital ownership. And I know that there's a lot of people that are like, Brian, that's silly because I can just right click and download the JPEG or the photo of your NFT and I could just own it. But that would be very much like the fact that if I just went to your house and took a picture of your house, it would be the same as you living in the house and paying the bills, right? I, I own a photo of your house just like you own the photo of an NFT. But really what the underlying elements that is here is what the blockchain is enabling and what the blockchain is ultimately allowing us to implement and, and, and really uh, shift the narrative around individual ownership, right? And the idea that individual ownership can now be transparently shared. So one of the takeaways that you should have from understanding this massive mindset shift is that the idea that you can own something digitally without actually having to physically hold it is something that not only do we believe in, but it is something that is emerging and at one point is going to equal, if not surpass, the, the assets that we physically own. And that might sound ridiculous. It might sound like something that doesn't make sense, but we also moved from the idea that you didn't buy software unless you went to Best Buy and you got a box off the shelf that had a CD in it and you put the CD in your laptop. And if you're a Gen Z, you can Google what you know, a CD player in a laptop look like. Um, yes, that's what we all had to burn. We had, to, we had to put our software in that way. But then all of a sudden we switched to this cloud-enabled software where we just went to a website and downloaded it and we installed it. Well, we own that software just like we did with the CDs, correct? 
but we don't we've we've physically touched anything right we've we've physically not owned anything and so this shift has now gone into this idea of digital goods and digital assets and digital services but it's done so in a very uh you know in a very transient transparent way and what the blockchain allows for is not just the a, a transparent deed of ownership but actually what the blockchain enables and this is something we have to think about in our day-to-day businesses How are we enabling those that own or purchase our products and services to ultimately actually be able to gain the benefits of that product or service, both physically and digitally in their, in our day-to-day lives, right? So this idea is it's not just about transparent ownership, but you can actually create smart contracts and code that enable things both digitally and in the physical world, right? The idea, and I, and I seem to use Playboy Rabbitars as, a, as one of my favorite examples, as, you know, as a holder of the Playboy Rabbitar NFT, I get access to the playboycenterfold.com uh, website. But I also, when I was in New York, because I hold that NFT, I was able to get into a Playboy party that was a pop-up party in New York City back in November, now, if you think about it, I am the owner of this NFT, which is a Playboy Rabbitar, you know, bunny with a microphone, which is the, the photo that I own. But the underlying code and contract that is transparently, you know, uh, inked on or minted onto the blockchain allows me to not only, you know, be able to have digital benefits, but also physical benefits. The other part of this is that when I, as the owner, because I own that NFT because it is a non-fungible token, I am actually now, if I've, if I've maximized that value or if I no longer believe this is worth something to me, I can now sell this because I own it. And so it is much different than traditional memberships, much different than being part of a, a band fan club. But these are, it's an extension. And the beauty of this is that it, the, the actual code and the actual smart contracts and utility underneath of an NFT enable all of these things. And so if you are in your business today, you have to ask yourself, what is your, how are you allowing people to opt in and opt out? How are you allowing people that if they spend a lot of money on something of yours, a service of yours, and their, their need for that has now changed, is that something that is just lost and they lost that money because they've changed their path? Well, I don't believe that is the way that consumers today are looking at things, right? And we think about that from owning of, a, of our car, right? When we, when we purchase a car and we no longer you know, want to own that car or like, you know, maybe we no longer, Hey, I need a a second row or a third row of seats because I have a kid. You're not just, you know, SOL, you're not just shit out of luck and you're stuck with this car that you had and you now need to go buy another car. You can actually take that ownership of it, sell it to someone else who still believes it has value. And what is beautiful about this is that you can actually build in as founders of NFTs, different mechanisms that allow you to say, if this happens, enable this, right? So I could say if someone joins the membership and they no longer find value and they sell, sell, they sell it to someone else, make sure that that person that originally sold it gets this. And then also make sure that the new person that own it, owns it now is enabled to have this kind of experience. All of that can do, be done really automatically, right? It can be programmed in to the actual contracts that are underlying these different, you know, components of an NFT. And, and that's what today's consumers are really, uh, you know, yearning for, right? And it's taking, it's a mindset shift away around 
is everything a transaction or do we really truly believe that community is the future of business? Because if you believe that it is about your, your raving fans, your most passionate customers, your loyal customers that, that tell your friends about your products and services, the question we have to start to ask ourselves is, what does that look like in a digital ownership world where we're able to actually enable additional services and experiences underneath it? I believe it actually shifts the power to the community. And for those brands and businesses that aren't willing to shift that power to the community, they're going to have a problem because here's what this is also enabling is that if we as a collective group all own and we're the reason that this product or service exists and we all decide that things need to change, we actually now as a community own a majority of what's possible. And so this shift is massive. And now you might be asking yourself, well, how does this all happen? Is it really just all about NFTs? And no, it's not. If you think about it this way, a lot of NFT groups or communities start as very small groups or like, you know, private messenger chats or, um, you know, you know, instant messenger groups or even group iMessage conversations, right? That start to grow into something more, right? Where not only do people want to be included, but now people want to expand. And, you know, for me, it kind of reminds me of like the very first fantasy football league I started. I started a fantasy football league in 2000 when I was at in university and we were doing it via the newspaper and an Excel spreadsheet. And eventually it got to the point where we had so many people that wanted to be in our league that we had to add a second league. And then when we had a second league, we realized there's so many more people that want to participate. We're now going to have to increase the amount of money that it costs to play in our league so that you know, more people can, more money can be made. But also those that are not willing to invest that can give their seat up to someone else. In many ways, that's really what NFTs are enabling. But the beauty of this is because that ownership is not in the fact that I created the fantasy football league, but rather all of the teams that are making up the league of the fantasy football owners, that we can now create merchandise. We can create a brand around this, not from a top-down perspective, but rather from a community perspective. And a lot of this does come down to the idea of, are we telling our customers or our audience or our community what they need or what they should have, or are we together kind of growing and creating something? And, and that's how, you know, Board Ape Yacht Club, which is, you know, the most popular one of all of them, has gone from like a text-based, you know, messenger group to a merchandise, to a brand, to being included in the Super Bowl, to having yacht parties, to now going in even and having land in the metaverse, to even making it so relative that, you know, at a lot of the NBA games today, the, the, the TV crews are actually panning around looking for people that are wearing board AP Yacht Club mer- you know, merch, right? And that, that's a, a brand that is ultimately born from a, a group of super fans, a group of you know, those that were united together that exp- eventually expanded. And then because it was bonded around this idea of a non-fungible entity, it then had like a limitation of how many were possible. Now, this is a shift. And I will say part of this shift is in the concept of ownership. And there is no doubt in 2022, no doubt about it whatsoever, that in 2022, right now, we as individuals, we want to own our personal identity online. We now understand the value of it. I don't believe I need to preach that you need to own your own personal identity online. But here's what happens. If we're owning our personal identity online and we are recognizing that what makes us special and unique 
is our ability to be unique and be the one thing that nobody else can copy is that as ourselves, we now can create a little bit of isolation and loneliness. So the question becomes, how do we continue to own our own personal identity while also broadcasting to the world our values and the people that we are associated with? That is what you call an NFT. And so if you think about this, it is no different than people becoming together because you are in a speaker organization and we're part of the National Speakers Association, or maybe you're the marketing association and and marketers come together because they're all a part of the American Marketing Association. But the interesting part about that is most people I talk to today tell me that they are multifaceted, multi-hyphenated, multi-passionate, and they want to find and connect with people, not just in their business, not just in their job, but in all aspects of life. Well, where do you find that online today? You haven't. Instagram search, Facebook groups are not going to enable that, right? How do you find a Facebook group? For the most part, you have a friend that invites you in. But what if you were able to own your own personal identity by owning a non-fungible token that is not, you cannot duplicate it, there is one of one of them, and then with that non-fungible token, the characteristics of it actually broadcast to the world the things that you are a part of, the things that you represent. For me, while I'm recording this episode right now, I got to give a shout out to my, like the, a group and a community that changed the course of my life, and it's a group called the Speak and Spill. And it was a group of speakers that were brought together that started as a small group of speakers that wanted to talk to people that understood them. And it was created by a a great marketer uh, by the name of Scott Stratton. And he was like, you know, people can't relate to us as speakers because we might be seen as divas because we want green M&Ms or whatever it may be. And he brought together a small group of people that got a little bigger, bigger of a group of people that turned into a Facebook group that decided, hey, we need to have a membership way of bringing people in so that we can bring in others that are like us, but we don't want it to be, um, we don't want to include like event organizers and brands because we want it to be amongst people that we share these same values and core beliefs. And all of a sudden we started adding merch. I'm wearing a Speak and Spill t-shirt right now as we speak. And so what's interesting about this is the the difference between where that goes and if it was a attached to a non-fungible token is that it would have gone from the group being run and owned kind of a singularity to being owned by all of us that were a part of it. And that also would mean if we no longer were being a speaker, we could actually sell or transfer the value of our seat in this very limited edition group to someone else that we believe meets that criteria that we can then expand and we can then actually grow. And, And when it comes down to it, One of the biggest difficulties for brands, for businesses, and for personal development groups is the ability to scale community. Let me say that again. One of the biggest struggles online and offline is being able to scale community, right? You could be a member of a church and that church, you could, we always hear it. Like I remember my dad telling me, he's like, I remember when this church started at the beach and there was only 45 of us and we all knew each other's names. And now we have three different locations in Virginia beach and we have all these different times and, and nobody knows anybody. And, and it's now not nearly as much as a family and everything's disconnected. And, and, you know, I don't even feel like I belong. Funny enough, that was the physical world. That was even more prevalent in the digital world. 
And so as we look at this moving into this future, that the future of business is community, and I believe it with every fiber of my being, because influencer marketing started to share with us that it's not about just advertising, and it's not about just marketing, it's not about getting a celebrity endorsement, it's rather that we trust people that we can relate to. The problem is, in the digital world, how do we discover people that we can relate to and trust that aren't already in our physical world, right? Yes, those things happen, but they're very kind of haphazardly, and they're not very well, not only organized, but there's not very much ownership in what your role is within that greater good. And so we are seeing this shift in ownership of personal identity and people not only realizing that, but now finding ways to do that in the digital world. It's why for me, a picture of me on my Twitter profile actually says less about me than a a Playboy Rabbitar bunny that has black and gold ears, that has a microphone, that is wearing a pink bow tie, that broadcasts to the world this community I'm a part of. It also shares about my love for the Pittsburgh Steelers, my desire and, and love to be in the microphone as a professional speaker and podcaster, and my passion for being a girl dad with the pink. I'm actually able, through the personal identity of a of an animal character on my profile, actually own my personal identity more so than I would in a traditional day, you know, walk of life. And, and this isn't new, right? We've all known it that, you know, what do we say? Like, Oh, I, I love getting to know you better. I now know all of you and I, and I, I like you a lot more, or maybe I don't like you a lot more, right? Like we're, we're starting to find these different things and that usually happens offline. Right. But now we're looking at this into the online side. Now, the other part of this that I want to tap into, and it's actually about creators, but before I tap into that about creators, I do want to give uh, a mention to our podcast sponsor, and our podcast sponsor is the Creator Economy Expo, which is happening May 2nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Get your uh, Creator Economy Expo tickets, which is better known as CEX, at mint.cex.events. It'll be one of the events that I'll be at. I'm actually now looking at my calendar between March, April, and May. Uh, I'll be attending six different events uh, right now in different areas of the country. Um, And so, hey, this is a great opportunity to connect with other creators. Uh, Hopefully you'll come out and uh, enjoy some of the, you know, opportunity to expand your creator group and and understand, you know, some of the things that are that are happening outside of your uh, current circle. And, and actually, this is perfectly into the spot where I look at the creators, and all of us as individual creators now having ownership on what communities look like. And we are now, rather than us having to buy into a brand because they've been around for a while, we're now being able to be a part of a brand that we get to create. Think about that when it comes to YouTube. What is, why do people, my daughters, will watch YouTube videos all day long instead of watching the TV? Because my daughters feel like they are a part of that community. They can relate to those YouTubers compared to someone on Disney or, or a Nintendo or Nintendo and Nickelodeon telling them what that they should like or what they should be you know, watching. And that shift is this idea that as the creators are more relatable, we're able to connect more and that we're seeing that across every industry, every walk of life. And then lastly, it was like, you know, just because, you know, when you're, when you're buying something, right, just because you're buying something online does not actually mean it has less value. And even in the sense of what does that ownership look like when it comes to like things that we can really use only in the digital world. And 
funny enough, like a website, when we're purchasing a website and someone's building us a website, we're not asking for them to have the physical version of that for us, right? We are believing that we are investing that money on a digital asset that we understand the importance of that digital you know, service or, or, or gateway. And so where I, I hope to take this, and I gave a shout out to uh, Gregarious and uh, Jaffe, who we were having a really, um, I would say, heated and live discussion today on where this Web3 world is going. And part of the ownership of this is that there are a lot of people that are claiming they know where this is all going, yet still falling for rug pulls and still trying to figure out this digital world and this Web3 world. But then, you know, the Gregarious made this analogy of to like, you know, when you're, if you're going to climb Mount Everest, are you going to, just because you have a map on how to climb Mount Everest, are you going to try to do it by yourself? Probably not. Probably not a wise decision. Are you going to hire a local Sherpa that might not have actually climbed the whole thing themselves, but they've understand the lay of the land, they're local and they've done it before. And interestingly enough, in this space, there are people that have taken a helicopter to the top of the mountain. They got lucky for where they were. Maybe they, they got a, a NFT project because they got in early or they didn't know what they were doing and now they, they lucked out. And there's people that helicopter to the top of the mountain that are now trying to teach people how to climb the mountain. But then there are other people that realize that we don't all have the answers. You've heard me say that on the podcast here many, many times, that we are still reimagining the culture. We are still learning the nuances and ways to protect each other and ways to, to make our wallets more secure. But here's the beauty of what we're, we're establishing, and it's what we're doing here um, with a podcast as well, is it's about bringing people together and all of us learning together, moving forward together. And ultimately, for me, NFTs aren't about solving an old world problem. They're actually allowing us to ask new questions and identify new problems and even start to look at this idea of the beautiful harmony between technology and humanity. I believe the intersection of technology and humanity is where the magic of our future comes to. It's where we truly get to do what we love and love what we do. It's where we get to be a part of communities, feel less lonely, and ultimately establish relationships and establish businesses and even create brands that we are proud to be a part of, that we love and we know what they're all about because we were a part of making all of that happen. And so I firmly believe we are, we are really living in the greatest time in history. We have the ability to reimagine a future in ways that we never would have thought were possible before the blockchain, before what Web3 is, is enabling in the shift of mindset. But it's not going to be possible if we just look at the idea of a, you know, a photo and say, I can right-click that, or look at the, something like a cryptocurrency and say, it's not stable and there's nothing behind it. Or look at something like the metaverse and say, that looks so crazy and weird, we'll never get there. Because there was a time where we thought we would never have a phone that wasn't connected to a wall. There was a time when we believed the only time that money would exchange hands is if it actually exchanged physical hands. 
And then we moved to these idea of checks. And then all of a sudden we started to have banking online. And then we started to being able to transfer money online. And now we've moved into this world where I don't even have to have physical wallet or I don't even need to have a credit card. I can simply scan my phone and it is connected to all of the money that is attached to me for me to be able to buy and purchase services. This, this change and this transformation is not new. And the technology is not what we should be focusing on, but it's also not the fact that it, you know the technology is not going to solve a people problem, and the solving people problems with people is not going to allow us to find that harmony and that true magic as we move forward. So I hope you will share this episode with your friends that might not have any interest in buying an NFT, because I don't, I don't really care if you buy an NFT or not. I have no skin in the game. But I, what I do hope is that you identify some of these trends that are emerging in the NFT space and recognize that these are your customers. These are your clients. These are your future customers. These are your future employees. And they're demanding things like transparency and understanding of digital ownership and the belief that if we are all, by all of us using or buying this product or service, the reason that product and service exist is because of all of us, then we should all have equal say in what that future of that product or service would look like. If you think about it, the ways of you know, Instagram being you know, a product that really is just a product of all of us using it. If all of us decided not to use Instagram anymore, Instagram would cease to exist. It would have no value. But yet none of us have ownership in or a say in the direction of a platform like Instagram. And that's why this creator economy is flipping on its head, is that it will no longer be the case. The case will be that we will found and we will create and we will design you know, experiences and groups that together those groups will now be able to shape and create and design and ultimately reimagine a future, reimagine a world where we are more connected but less alone. A future where we are able to do more of what we love and less time doing the things that we felt we've always had to do or that we believed was the only thing that we have of value. My name is Brian Fanzo. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of NFT365. Definitely want to give a shout out to Rough Life, R-U-F-F Life. Uh, it is the NFT that we purchased today. Um, it is a Solana uh, NFT, uh, and it is one that is actually raising um, funds to adopt uh, dogs from shelters, and over 40% of their profits will be donated uh, to the SPCA. And I just love you know, great causes. Uh, you know, I mentioned in last episode about the charity and social good use cases uh, for NFTs. Here's a real-life, real-world example. And we purchased one for us uh, for part of our Mint 365 project where we're buying an NFT every single day for a year. And it's actually a Solana, um, you know, uh, NFT as well. So it's on a different blockchain. It cost uh, one Solana to actually um, to mint, which is about it was about one hundred and forty six dollars, I believe, is what uh, Solana was at the time. But uh, just love being able to research and and discover new projects every day. And just remember, we're buying these uh, NFTs every day, so you don't have to buy an NFT to participate in this world and this community. 
You guys can check out nft365podcast.com and then slash mint365. So mint365, we're buying an NFT every day. We started on November 11th of 2021 and we will keep all of them until November 11th of 2022 where we're going to sell them as an entire mosaic collection. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a good one. Cheers. The show is not financial.